Congressional Democrats passed a $1.5 trillion spending bill, but dropped President Biden's COVID agenda in the process. Bending to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and betraying his medical training, Florida Surgeon General recommends against childhood vaccines. And it's officially been two years since the first lockdowns began in March of 2020. This is America Dissected. I'm your host, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed. I know you're listening to this sometime after Tuesday, but I'm taping this on Sunday. I record the pod every Sunday night, giving our editor time to clean it up, make me coherent, and ship it off to all your eardrums in working order. But my goodness, this is the worst Sunday. Today is our annual collective hangover known as Daylight Savings. As I record this, it's 9.48, but my body feels like it's 8.48. I'd usually be winding down, getting ready to go to bed in about an hour, but I know that my head's going to hit that pillow, and I'm just going to keep thinking about why I'm not sleeping. And tomorrow? Don't even get me started on tomorrow. I've got to be up early in the morning, and it's going to feel like the middle of the night. And I'm not even the person in the house who's the most sensitive to daylight savings. That's my daughter, Emily. Tomorrow, we're going to have to wake her up for school around 7.15, but that's going to feel like 6.15 to her. And it's going to feel like agony for all of us. We sort of think about toddlers as being somewhere in the middle between being babies and being children, but they're less at some middle point and more some parts both, a chimera between infant and child. And if you've ever had to live with a toddler, you know that there are two things that drive them crazy, hunger and exhaustion. A tired toddler is a lot harder to deal with than a hungry toddler. After all, you can fix a hungry toddler. Just give them a snack. But it's not easy to make a tired, screaming toddler happy. Because the other thing I've come to appreciate about a toddler is that their response to being tired is paradoxical. Instead of falling asleep like you or I might, they get hyper and agitated. It's rough. And you know what? We're about to have to deal with that for the entire next week until our kids adjust to this. In fact, here's Emily to tell you what she thinks about daylight savings time herself. Emily? I hate light savings. Yeah, I hate light savings too. You mean daylight savings? Yeah. Daylight savings. I don't like daylight savings either. We need to sleep more. I agree. So no philosophical takes or profound thoughts today. Daylight savings time just sucks. And guess what? I'm not the only one who thinks so. The inspo behind this episode comes from one of our producers, Tara Terpstra, who is far and away the most organized, unflappable person I know. But literally say the words daylight savings, and you'll see them as Hyde version of Tara Terpstra. But it turns out that there are a lot more reasons to worry about daylight savings time than the lost sleep or the fact that your toddler turns into a sleep-deprived mess. In fact, when the idea for the episode came up, I remembered reading an interesting position paper from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine about the long-term harms of daylight savings. It turns out that it's a lot more than just lost sleep. I reached out to the lead author for that position paper, Dr. Adil Rishi, to share more about it. My conversation with him after this break. Okay, ready to get going? I guess so, yeah. All right, perfect. Can you introduce yourself for the tape? Uh, so my name is uh, Dr. Muhammad Adil Rishi. I'm an associate professor of medicine at the Indiana University School of Medicine, and I'm the vice chair of the Public Safety Committee of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. 
We really appreciate you joining us because today we're talking about something that um, that sort of comes, it sneaks up on you and uh, and then all of a sudden you realize that you are exceptionally tired for a week or two weeks. Um, yeah. And that is, of course, Daylight Savings. Uh, can you can you walk us through what is Daylight Savings Time? Where did it come from? Sure. Um, so I think most of us have a vague idea of what it is, which is, you know, twice a year, uh, we flick, flip b- back and forth between you know, between uh, daylight savings time and standard time. So uh, what most people don't know is that it's actually written in law, in federal law here in in the United States. And so according to federal law on the uh, second uh, Sunday of March and the first Sunday of November at 2 a.m., you have to move forward in the spring in March and then move backwards uh, in the fall or in November. Why we do it... (laughs) Is a is a very interesting question. So um, here are all sorts of stories, but but you know if you look at uh, you know uh, the history of daylight savings, I think it really started what we consider the modern daylight savings time from a guy called George Hudson. Uh, he's a New Zealander. He's an entomologist. He collected insects. He was also a postal worker. And this is late 18, uh, 1800s. Uh, and he realized that once he got off his job and wanted to collect insects, there wasn't a lot of sunlight afterwards. And so he came up with this idea that if you move your uh, clock forward by a couple of hours, he'll have a couple of extra hours in the evening to collect insects. Uh, so he presented his paper to the Wellington uh, Scientific Society in the late 1890s. Uh, I think it really caught on uh, during the First World War when Germany decided that this could be an energy-saving measure. Uh, and, you know, uh, we know that enemies t- turned to be mirror images of each other, so British uh, and then the U.S. followed suit. Um, so America had its first tango with daylight savings time in uh, 1918. It's interesting. So, you know, it wasn't very popular, but, you know, when the war ended, uh, Congress actually passed legislation to get rid of daylight savings time. But uh, uh, President Wilson liked his long afternoons with sunlight because he liked to play golf. So he vetoed it. In fact, he vetoed it twice. The third time, Congress overruled it by two-third majority, and we ended up having daylight savings time removed from, uh, from, from the country up until the Second World War, where it was again readopted. Um, what we do right now is written into legislation through the Universal Time Act uh, of 1966. Uh, when it was written, uh, it was supposed to be having daylight savings time for six months and then six months of standard time. But you know what, what Congress has done uh, since 1966 is prolonged the duration that we spend on daylight savings time. Um, and so first we went to seven months and the last iteration of the, uh, of what we have right now happened in 2005 when we went to eight months. So right now we do daylight savings time in this country for eight months, uh, and then standard time, uh, for, uh, for four months. So basically the daylight savings regime that we are under right now started out as a just a question of how to get more leisure time that then turned into an energy saving approach during both world wars. And then uh, we're sort of in this space now where it's just kind of become habit. Now, uh, you authored a position paper on behalf of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine arguing that we should abolish it. Um, Can you explain uh, why we should abolish it and then 
uh, some of the the health challenges that that it poses in in our society? Yeah, so uh, you know, it might have made sense to do uh, 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 the, the switching, you know, uh, in the early twentieth century, but you know, we're in a different time now. And in fact, when uh, when Congress um, looked into uh, the energy saving effects of daylight savings time, uh, the congressional report actually did not find any significant energy savings. Uh, so mm-hmm. that happened after the 1973 OPEC crisis, where the country decided to go to permanent daylight savings time for uh, for about nine months. I think we were on permanent daylight savings time. Uh, and so then after that, Congress you know, authorized a report, uh, and then the final report came out, I think, in 76. And you know, they didn't find any significant energy savings. So I think uh, th- that that narrative ha- is not not has not been found to be true. Um, now, what can be the harmful effects? So I, I think I, I look at it uh, in context of uh, you know two different things. One is the switch. So moving forward in the spring and uh, flipping back uh, during uh, during the the fall, and the other is. Uh, the t- the duration of time that we are on daylight savings time. So I kind of try to look at it in uh, in two different uh, um, scenarios or perspectives. And so for for the for the switches, there's actually ample evidence, and actually there's not not a lot of arguing that it is harmful. Um, so what are the potential harms of switching? Uh, and so th- the switches have been associated with increased risk of heart attacks. Um, there's mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, you know, at least six papers that I'm aware of, uh, and Murfordini and colleagues published a paper re- reviewing all of those uh, in 2018, uh, demonstrating that you know, there's an increased risk of heart attacks uh, when especially the spring switch happens. Wow. So it's just, paper. It's, it, you're, you're talking about in the week to two weeks after the switch, there's just an right. increased incidence of heart attacks. Right. Uh, and then there is this increased risk of, uh, you know, an abnormal rhythm of the heart called atrial fibrillation, uh, which has been associated with stroke. And, uh, you know, no, no surprise, there is increased risk of stroke. And so a recent paper from Mayo Clinic uh, from uh, Dr. Morgan Teller's uh, group demonstrated increased risk of medical errors. And that's just because you have an overworked, uh, underslept staff that's even more underslept exactly, uh, on daylight right? savings. So yeah. that's, that's, we all know why that happens because we all are tired after the switch. I'll tell you, this. when I was in med school, I had to do a 24-hour shift on daylight savings time. And so it ended up being a 25-hour shift. Oh, <laughs> and that one yeah. extra hour will kill you after 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, you know, and so, so not only then in the medical field, but there is, there is an increased incidence of uh, motor vehicle crashes. Uh, there are actually several studies looking at that. Uh, and all of them have demonstrated the same thing, especially after that spring switch. There is an increased risk of, um, of, of motor vehicle crashes. There is... Uh, risk of other types of accidents at workplaces. Um, there, are, there are mood disturbances um, that happen at both the spring switch and the fall switch, uh, as well as um, uh, other things as well. And so, so there, there's plenty of evidence now that the 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 the, the switch is bad. Uh, but what about the duration of time that we stay on uh, daylight savings time? Um, and so. Um, Till Rosenberg um, uh, has done some work on uh, on this, and he, you know he he has demonstrated that this, the duration of time that we are on uh, daylight savings time is associated with this phenomena, what we we like to call social jet lag. So, what is social jet lag? Um, 
Um, so I think before I explain social jet lag, I think I have to uh, probably uh, tell you about the, the three different clocks that are that are out there, right? So one is the clock that's on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I like to call the social clock. That's what society wants wants us to follow, right? So, uh, and that's what we change when we go to daylight savings time. So that's what we move one hour forward and then we bring it back one hour backwards, you know, in spring and fall respectively. And then there is a sun clock, which is the time the sun comes up when it's kind of uh, in the middle of the sky, so it's midday, and then when it sets, right? Uh, that's that's a clock that we, we have no control over, uh, and it's always been like that. Uh, and in fact, almost all uh, organisms, living organisms that have been studied have been found to be connected to that clock, that solar clock, Um and how are the organisms connected to that sun clock or solar clock? We're connected to that clock by our internal clock, which is the circadian clock. Um, and that's how different systems in the body regulate themselves. Uh, for example, when we feel sleepy and we, when we are more awake or vigilant, when different hormones are secreted in the body at higher rates and at lower rates, uh, when the heart rate goes up, when the blood sugars are higher. So a lot of these systems are controlled by our internal clock, which is called uh, the, the the circadian clock. Um, and just and, to just to jump in here, I think yeah. you know, just for li- listeners, um, you know, we sort of take it for granted that we sleep during nighttime and that we wake during daytime, but we don't appreciate often that there is a um, really tightly calibrated hormonal set of rhythms that um, secrete to mediate our wakefulness um, when we're when we feel more tired. Uh, anybody who's ever taken melatonin, for example, um, after a long flight, what you're trying to do is basically reset that uh, that hormonal time uh, so that your body uh, mediates everything from its wakefulness and when you feel tired, but everything also from when you expect to eat to you know when you need to go to the bathroom to uh, when you need to be most alert and awake to you know to do the things that you do during the day. Um, and so you know just that 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 is the context that. Um, uh, that Dr. Rishi is explaining here, and a lot of that gets mediated naturally by when you see the sun, and when you start to mess with that, you you can you can see that there will be some problems. Exactly. So there's a lot of research which demonstrates that our internal clock cannot be synchronized to the social clock or the clock on the wall. And the best example is that in people who are totally blind. Mm-hmm. So they have the social clock, so they have the social cues when it's appropriate to get up and when it's appropriate to fall asleep but they don't have the solar clock because they can't appreciate light. And they develop this disorder called the non-24. And no matter how hard they try, they, they can't sink to the social norms. And so they, their uh, circadian biology goes haywire. So it, mm. you know, they, they can't appreciate the difference between while they, when they need to be awake and when they need to be asleep. So they develop this disorder called non-24. Uh, and so... So if we can't sync our our internal clocks to the social uh, to the social clock, uh, you know, then what what happens is when you move the social clock forward, you develop this asynchrony, uh, you know, mm. between your internal clock and the, uh, the 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 social clock, and this asynchrony is what we call social jet lag, and the social jet lag has been associated with weight gain, um, with this fancy doctor term, uh, you know, metabolic syndrome, which is, again, weight gain, diabetes, and high blood pressure. It's also been associated uh, with potentially uh, increased risk of heart attacks. Mm. Um, And so there's a classic paper published in the New England Journal of Medicine uh, 
about 14 years ago by Jansky and colleagues. Uh, and they demonstrated that there was an increased risk of heart attacks uh, you know, uh, during the spring switch. But that has been demonstrated several times now afterwards, after that original paper came out. Why that paper is interesting is because when um, the fall switch happens, they actually demonstrated that there was a decreased risk of heart attack for several days after the we went back to standard time. So if... You know, some people have interpreted that as saying that potentially the risk of heart attack stays elevated throughout the time that we are on daylight savings. And if that's true, that that's obviously very worrisome. And we obviously keep on prolonging that, as I said earlier, prolonging the duration that we are on on daylight savings time. And so, mm. um, so, so, so that's, just to, go ahead. Just to summarize that, we have this situation where the changing of the time abruptly is itself, especially in the spring when you lose that hour, that that is itself dangerous. And then it may be that the time that we spend on daylight savings time introduces this social jet lag, which itself may uh, cause this this chronic effect that, that um, we don't particularly appreciate uh, over the eight months that we're in daylight savings. And then once we switch back, we're, we're on we'll just say a more natural timeline vis-a-vis the sun, um, which gets us back to to where we were. I, I didn't want to ask just on that point. Sure. You know, it, it, it seems as though if you live in um, in in communities that are, uh, we'll just say, more extreme away from the equator, that you're going to end up having a lot more of that social jet lag that you talked about. Is there a scenario where, you know, daylight savings is less severe for those folks who, who suffer the social jet lag simply just because of where they stand or they, where they live on Earth? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So, um, so if you look, you know, if you look at populations or anything that affects populations, you're always going to end up with a bell-shaped curve. Um, and, you know, so majority of the population is in the middle of that bell, but there are people who are on either side of the extremes. Um, so, so obviously people, if you are closer to equator, um, there is less difference in the, the photo period or the duration that that part of the earth is exposed to sunlight between winter and in summer. And so you, you are going to be probably less affected by uh, by change uh, ch- change in where your 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 clock is on the wall, right? Um, because the the duration of time that you're exposed to sunlight is not going to change that much throughout the year. Certainly, the further up you are, the more effect uh, th- there is going to be. The other thing to consider, which a lot of people don't consider, is that more westward you are in a time zone. Uh, you know, uh, the more likely you are going to be affected by this. And so, so the sun is, uh, uh, you know, at the, at the center, center of the sky or it's midday from a solar clock center. And the, our clock on the wall says that it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon at noontime um, in the middle of the time zone. Um, so, um, and when we are on standard time. Um, so the more westward you are, uh, the more out, out, out of sync you are, uh, you know, from, and then, you know, for example, I live in, uh, Indiana. Um, and so Indiana is the westward most state in the Eastern time zone. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, for us, you know, um, in the, in the middle of the winter, the sun doesn't come up till, um, till after eight eight o'clock in the morning. Um, whereas New York, who's on the same time zone, the sun comes up close to early, uh, like early seven o'clock, 
705 in mm-hmm. the in the middle of the winter uh and so when you go to daylight savings time here the sun won't come up till nine o'clock whereas for uh um wow uh, for 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 example um uh, new york it would be at eight o'clock so certainly you know people in uh, indiana will be more affected uh by by the change than people in new york so there's certainly, yeah, I think your geographical location uh, does affect. And, you know, there have actually been studies shown demonstrating that the more westward you are in the um, in the time zone, the more likely you are to have cardiovascular disease, more likely that you'll be making less money, uh, more likely the kids will be performing <laughs> more poorly in schools. There's increased risk of cancer, Most uh, more westward you are. Um, and there is increased risk of motor vehicle crashes more westward uh, in a time zone. So, that, and that's that's wow. irrespective of uh, the daylight savings time. And daylight savings time uh, would obviously exacerbate those problems. We'll be back with more with Dr. Adil Rishi after this break. And we're back with more of my conversation with Dr. Adil Rishi. So it's 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 fascinating that in some respects the issue is is actually one of trying to standardize our biological clock to a social clock, and daylight savings time uh, tweaks that just enough to really exacerbate that. Uh, that 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 inability um, to to standardize that's really quite fascinating. For for most people, the experience of daylight savings time is just one of sleep. It's either your sleep or your kids' sleep, which is probably even worse. And every time you have to spring forward, the kids lose an hour of sleep. They go haywire for two weeks. What does what does uh, daylight savings time just mean for for our sleep? You know, for those of us who aren't um, you know potentially being affected by by uh, the cardiovascular outcomes, at least not acutely. What does it do to our sleep, and what are the long term implications of having to switch forward, switch back uh, every year? Yeah. So um, you know, so so there is evidence that we lose an hour of sleep uh, when we uh, when we go to uh, daylight savings time. Uh, in the spring switch, um, and the um, and this is in a population which is already sleep deprived. So we know that as, as a population here in America, we get less sleep than what we should be getting. Uh, we know that sleep problems have exacerbated during the pandemic, and so when all of a sudden on top of it, uh, you uh, you know put daylight saving time and take one hour extra of sleep away from people they're more likely uh, to get into accidents. I think that's the, the biggest thing I worry about uh, in the first week or 10 days after after that switch is that an acutely sleep-deprived person you know, gets on the road in the morning when it's dark uh, and then, God forbid, gets into an accident. Mm-hmm. And so... So I think the biggest risk, I think, in uh, in the early um, uh, early part of that uh, that change is is that uh, you know you can get into accidents both on the road as well as at, at your workplace, depending on the type of work you do, right? So not everybody is sitting behind a desk uh, in the morning. I mean, there are people who are out- outdoors doing things that are potentially dangerous if you're not vigilant, for example, like crane workers, for example, or ambulance drivers or pilots, you know, and medical workers, right? They, they need to be on the top of their game in terms of vigilance or, you know, little mistakes can can harm their patients. And so that that switch can, can exacerbate all of those things. Certainly, if you are at risk, you know, you'd be at a higher risk of having heart attacks and all, all of those other bad things in the immediate switch time. Yeah. 
So is there, I mean, we talked about all of the, um, the overwhelming evidence around the negative consequences of daylight saving times. Is, is there anything positive about daylight savings time? <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say, uh, you know, so the, the, the couple of things that, uh, that, that are probably worth mentioning in that, in that basket, right? Or in, in that bucket we probably need to put. Uh, one is uh, that, you know, it has been demonstrated that uh, in the afternoons, after you go to daylight saving, in the afternoons, there's there's decreased risk of accident, mm. uh, and that makes sense mm-hmm. you, because your, your photo period is longer in the afternoon. Your total photo period stays the same. So you know, I, I hear a lot of people tell tell me that when you get to daylight saving time, you have more sunlight. And that's not true. That that's just a false statement. You don't have more sunlight. You just shifted sunlight to to the to the afternoon or the evening. But in the afternoon, there's more sunlight, and so um, so th- there is evidence that there is a decreased risk of accidents in the afternoon. Um, and then the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is that during the time that you're on daylight saving time, there is uh, decreased criminal activity. Uh, and whether that is because you are in the summer and there's decreased criminal activity during the summer anyways, because uh, there's more sunlight, the, the total photo period gets longer, and you know, um, uh, or whether it's because of the delayed saving time, because more more criminal activity happens in the afternoon than in the evenings. And if you have less time and it's dark, you know, you'd, you'd have a little less. So those two things are, um, you know, are, are demonstra- demonstrably correct. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I, I think I think overall, if you look at the overall public safety, um, uh, you know, situation, I think. Uh, you know, uh, definitely standard time is better than 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 daylight savings time. So you presented overwhelming evidence now that we probably should do away with daylight savings time, and yet it is written into federal law. Um, why do you think it persists, and what do you think it'll take uh, for us to to change it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think um, I think it's hard to change federal law, right? Uh, that, that's probably the the the, the most uh, obvious reason. Uh, it, it requires a lot of people to agree on something, uh, and you know that's that's very difficult. Um, uh, it, it's ingra- ingrained, the, going back and forth is ingrained in uh, in the psyche of the society because it's been going on for such a long time, and change is difficult. Uh, even if it's a change for the better, it's difficult. Uh, and so, uh, so, so, and then there there are. Um, there are folks uh, who like it uh, to have their longer uh, afternoons just because uh, for leisurely uh, activities. But there to find fo- bugs, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, and then the, the, there are it's, some people think that there there are economic benefits, uh, at least for their industry, for example, uh, who lobby for for the, the 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 daylight savings time and even want to make it even want to make it permanent. So I'll give you an mm. example. So the last time uh, we went to daylight savings time, two thousand five, um, one of the uh, one of the reasons to do that was that people wanted Halloween to fall in daylight savings time. And you'd think mm. why why that would be the case? Well, uh, uh, people thought that if kids had one extra hour of trick or treating, that would mean more sales for candy industry. And you know, we, wow. we we don't think about these things, you know, as healthcare professionals. Uh, but that extra hour of trick or treating may mean millions of dollars to one industry, and so, so that's why that switch happened. So maybe 
from a public health perspective, it'd be it'd be better to undo it both both because of the uh, all the reasons that you shared, and then also maybe less candy consumption around Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, uh, so so the, the, there there are more more reasons than just you know what what the physicians or the medical professionals think are are um, are, are important, uh, and so. So, and what would it take? So I, I think there are about 20 states which have passed legislation uh, attempting to get rid of daylight savings time. But, you know, for those legislations to actually go into effect, so they've been passed, but for, for those legislations to go into effect, the way the federal law has been written, uh, the federal law has to change for these the state-level laws to go into effect. Uh, and so... Uh, unfortunately, most states which have passed legislation have passed legislation to get rid of the switches, but go to permanent daylight savings time, which, you know, as a medical community, uh, we don't think, uh, you know, is the right move. Mm. Uh, but but there, there, there have been efforts ongoing, at least in the last several years, where people have been trying to get rid of the daylight savings time. Uh, and obviously, you know, at, 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 the, at the Senate level, at least, I think Senators Rubio and uh, Scott from Florida have again, uh, introduce the legislation, but again, unfortunately, wanting to get rid of the, uh, the, the, the switches in favor of permanent, in favor of permanent daylight savings time. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's a lot, uh, a lot that you've given us to, to think about here, uh, as we adjust to the, uh, to the unfortunate, um, to the unfortunate reality of, of having lost an hour and our children adjust. Uh, but we really appreciate you joining us and, and sharing uh, some of the evidence behind the impact of daylight savings time. Uh, that was Dr. Adil Rishi. He's uh, the author of a uh, position paper on behalf of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine uh, against daylight savings time. We really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your perspective, Dr. Rishi. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. As usual, here's what I'm watching right now. As Democrats in Congress rushed to pass an omnibus spending package, they bent to pressure from the GOP to cut out COVID spending. That includes nearly $16 billion for all the important things that President Biden talked about in his State of the Union, stockpiling tests and masks, building a test-to-treat pipeline so that people who test positive for COVID get anti-COVID medications right away, and of course, more vaccines. How many times do we need to do this, people? How many times do we need to declare COVID over only to realize that the virus has different plans? and then be caught flat-footed without the supplies we need to weather it. By the way, cases are going up in countries in Europe. Didn't we just get out of Omicron when nobody had the test we needed? Didn't we all watch last year's hot vac summer get canceled because of Delta? Look, I really, really want this to be over too, but I really, really don't want to get caught up again in another surge without the things we need to protect ourselves. And excising the money we need to be ready for the next surge, should it come, is yet again failing to learn the lesson COVID has already taught us. Look, I hope I'm wrong about this. I hope this really is the end, but we simply can't know that right now. And pretending like we can, it's the height of folly. Because when Democrats made the decision to cut the COVID funding, they were giving in to con artists like this guy. The Florida Department of Health is going to uh, be the first state to officially recommend against the COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children. That's the voice of Joseph Ladapo. He technically went to med school, but I'm not giving him his honorific because you know what? That guy is the Florida Surgeon General and Ron DeSantis' minion who sold out his medical degree for a little bit of notoriety. He announced that Florida is now recommending against vaccinating healthy children 5 to 11 for COVID-19, despite the fact that we know that the vaccines are safe and effective in this age range and beyond. The move is completely contrary to any reading of the available evidence and could lead to completely unnecessary illness and death among kids. 
But that's not even the only thing Florida's GOP is actively doing to hurt kids this week. Florida's controversial legislation passing now sent to the governor there tonight. It's called the Parental Rights in Education Bill. Critics call it the Don't Say Gay Bill. The Florida legislature has passed a bill that would make it illegal to talk about LGBT, well, anything in schools. The purpose of this bill is to legally sanction, in fact, legally create stigma against LGBT people. What makes this so disgusting is that it actively targets kids. LGBT youth are four times as likely to have been bullied and threatened at school and four times as likely to attempt suicide. That is because of LGBT stigma. And this will only make it worse. And this week marks two years since the first lockdowns for COVID-19 began in the United States. I'm never going to forget that time. The 2020 primaries were winding down. I'd been traveling all over the country, both campaigning and commentating on them for CNN. My first book, Healing Politics, was just about to come out. And we were in the finishing touches of planning a book tour. And then, like everyone else, it all came crashing down. We rushed to kick off season two of this podcast to keep you all informed about what was happening. And I recorded from my in-law's basement, where we spent the first three months of the pandemic. For many of us, the pandemic has been one of the most harrowing experiences of our lives. No matter who you were, you experienced some kind of loss. Some of us lost parents or grandparents, spouses or children, siblings or best friends. Some got violently, almost deathly ill. Others lost jobs and livelihoods. That's if we didn't lose our lives. But everyone lost something. Everyone. This is the definition of a complex trauma. As we round the bend and, inshallah, things get back to some semblance of normal, it's worth reflecting on this. It's worth grieving all that's been lost. I know that for many of us, we think about everyone else who's lost so much more. And that's an important, beautiful thing. You should always do that. But you can both grieve what you've lost and appreciate how much you didn't at the same time. You can reach out to help those who've lost more, even as you experience your own sadness at what you lost. I also just want to say thank you to all of you who've turned to all of us here at America Dissected for insights and perspectives on the pandemic. We've strived to offer honest, unvarnished, but hopeful and context-driven analysis about what's happening. We didn't always get it perfectly right, but we always tried. Thank you for trusting us. That's it for today. On your way out, can you do me a favor? Rate, review the show, get it to other people. I'd really appreciate that. Also, if you love the show and want to rep us, I hope you'll drop by the Crooked Store for some America Dissected drip. We got our logo mugs and t-shirts, our Science Always Wins t-shirts, sweatshirts, and dad caps, and our safe and effective tees, which are on sale for $10 off while supplies last. America Dissected is a product of Crooked Media. Our producer is Austin Fisher. Our associate producer is Olivia Martinez. Veronica Simonetti mixes and masters the show, and production support is from Tara Terpstra, Lyra Smith, and Ari Schwartz. Our theme song is by Takeya Suzawa and Alex Sugiera. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer, Sandy Gerard, Michael Martinez, and me, Dr. Abdul Al-Sayed, your host. Thanks for listening.